Hello and welcome to episode nine of the State Champs X Training Podcast for the state of Michigan. Alongside Lamphere High School head coach Adam Woolley, I'm your host, Rob Mendica. This week, we get a chance to speak with Vice President of Premium Tickets and Sales for Jimmy John's Field, Dan Griesbaum Jr. And if that's not exciting enough, we also have a huge treat for you all as we have an interview conducted by our own state champs, Lorne Plant, with Dr. Chase Ansock from the DMC to talk about baseball injuries and more importantly, how to treat them. But before that, let's take a few minutes to acknowledge our sponsors who are here to support us as we look to grow the game of high school baseball across the state of Michigan. State Chance Michigan X-Training Podcast is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Recruit yourself to one of two dozen varsity-level sports, including baseball, at Lawrence Tech. Simply log on to ltuathletics.com and click the Recruit Yourself link. X-Trainings is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSAA is in need of officials. Go to mhsaa.com for more information on becoming an official. Not only is it great part-time pay, but it's a way for you to stay connected to the game you love. Support the kids, give back to the community, and get paid. Information's just a whistle away. Go to mhsaa.com slash officials. The Detroit Medical Center's physical therapy and sports medicine uh, are today on the program. State Champs executive producer Lauren Plant had a conversation with DMC orthopedic surgeon Dr. Chase Ansock. They talked about the most common injuries associated with baseball and baseball athletes and how to treat and prevent them. That interview coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, last but not least, we have to mention the Detroit Athletic Club Foundation's Male and Female High School Athlete of the Year Awards. The state's elite athletes will be honored with a red carpet gala on Monday June 14th at the incredible DAC in downtown Detroit. State Champs will be streaming the event live, so set your notification bells now. You can see this year's nominees by heading over to DACAthleteoftheyear.com. And Rob, as everything's coming to a head with not only the athlete, female and male athletes of the year being awarded, but also the start of the most exciting time of the season for high school baseball, and that is the uh, state playoffs, which will begin mm -hmm. Tuesday with the play-in games for the district. Let's take a second here to acknowledge the Michigan High School Baseball Coaches Association. The MHSBCA works tirelessly to promote the game of baseball by creating opportunities for coaches to stay connected and stay informed through clinics, social media, and incredible events like the annual high school all-star game and Hall of Fame inductions. For more information on that and to stay connected, check out their website at www.mhsbca.org. That's www.mhsbca.org. As we mentioned, guys, at the top of the program, state champs Lauren Plant had an opportunity to talk with DMC orthopedic surgeon Dr. Chase Ansock regarding baseball-related injuries. Here's that conversation. Hey guys, I'm Lauren Plant, the executive producer of the State Champs Sports Network. And not only do Rob and Adam promote the game here on Extra Innings week after week, but today we wanted to take a couple of minutes, help you understand more about injuries that are unique to baseball athletes, how you can deal with them, maybe avoid them altogether. So to do that, I am joined by Dr. Chase Ansock. He is an orthopedic surgeon with Detroit Medical Center's sports medicine team. His specialties are dealing with injuries to the shoulder and elbow so he was just the right guy to talk about uh this on a baseball podcast so dr ansock thanks for taking a few minutes to chat oh thank you very much for having me all right let's get into it so what are some of the common baseball injuries uh that uh, that you see that that athletes parents coaches need to be aware of be on the lookout for 
So as overhead athletes, I think baseball players are uniquely positioned to have more uh, shoulder and elbow injuries uh, than just about anyone else. Um, in particular, uh, we see this uh, in our pitchers and catchers uh, above all else, but uh, even outfield players that are just getting back on the field after a long time off are certainly at risk for these injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone has heard the term overuse injury, uh, it's basically a term used to describe an injury that occurs from tissue damage resulting from repetitive demand over a period of time, rather than maybe just a severe traumatic event like a shoulder dislocation or an ankle sprain. Uh, Can you give some examples of overuse injuries you've seen and how they can be prevented? Absolutely. So especially tendonitis around the rotator cuff is one of our biggest culprits here. Uh, We see that uh, very often uh, in folks that have just tried to throw too hard too often after after a layoff. And so the best way to avoid these injuries, uh, we really try to modulate volume, uh, intensity and duration. Uh, And you can start to increase those things one at a time. So, you know, starting with lower pitch counts, working your way through some of the uh, uh, lower speed pitches and then progressing uh, towards the more uh, more difficult aspects of of throwing. And then from there, starting to increase how often uh, we're really having long throwing sessions. And uh, that also goes along with appropriate recovery. So taking the amount of time off that you need after a difficult outing is very important Uh, for at higher levels. We want to make sure that our our high level players are getting at least three to four days off before they get back into the bullpen throwing heavy again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I personally have dealt with shoulder injuries before, and it's hard sometimes to nail down exactly what's wrong. Uh, You just know there's something wrong. Um, So how do you go about diagnosing shoulder injuries? I really start first just by listening closely uh, to what the athlete's telling me. Uh, it's a kind of a tired line in medicine, but often you know, the patient will tell you what's wrong. And yeah. it's really teasing out where exactly are you feeling the pain and when does it come out? It means something very different when that pain is starting uh, as you start to uh, that cocking motion, as you start to really initiate the throwing motion, as opposed to pain that comes immediately after releasing the ball. Um, pain located over the front of the shoulder is different than pain over the side or the back. And then obviously the same goes for the elbow. Um, so when you, when and where that pain is, really kind of tease off where, I, where I'm going to kind of take my interview and where I expect things to go. And then from there, if there's if we haven't gotten the whole story yet, we start with basic imaging. I always start with non-invasive, simple things like plain x-rays. And if you see anything you know, really grossly abnormal there, that'll help t- uh, give you the diagnosis. And then we reserve you know, the bigger tests, whether that's an MRI or an ultrasound, uh, when we're really trying to look for something specific. So. Well, there you go. I mean, guys, get yourself checked out. I mean, that's what Dr. Ansock does for a living. He's there to uh, make sure that uh, he tells you exactly what's going on with you. And, you know, nobody wants to hear the S word. Uh, and I'm talking about surgery, especially when they are in season, such as baseball is now. And that may scare off some athletes maybe dealing with a shoulder problem. Is surgery always necessary? No, absolutely not. And for the vast majority of cases, the first time that I meet with a patient, surgery isn't even uh, on the discussion table. You know, we're really focused on, on establishing the diagnosis and treating it conservatively as best we can. Uh, I'm, I work very closely uh, with physical therapists and athletic trainers. Uh, our first priority is really trying to provide the best rehabilitation that we can. And the, the big S word is, is reserved for those cases that either are not getting better uh, or for the, you know, the really severe injuries that just clearly are, are, are not going to be amenable to, to conservative management. You know, one of the big questions that parents, especially coaches, will have is when is it safe 
for that particular athlete to return to sport if you have shoulder pain or an injury? Yeah, I think we can also break that down into the severity and the duration of the pain. You know, pain that's only been present for a couple of days and has responded pretty well to our, our good old-fashioned rest, ice, maybe a little anti, over-the-counter anti-inflammatory. You know, that's pain that I'm typically not worried about. Uh, but pain that continues to get worse or pain that is really limiting that athlete's ability to perform, you know, whether that's just because of the pain or if it's uh, taking away their ability to throw at the right velocity or with the right control, um, I think that's when it's worthwhile to seek the, the expert opinion of, of myself for one of my colleagues right because that's the most dangerous if you know you you're suffering pain and it's not going away maybe like you said is getting progressively worse uh maybe you can enlighten them uh you know our audience on the signs and symptoms that you may need to see an orthopedic surgeon specifically yeah i think probably the the hallmark is is pain that you're experiencing uh, during the athletic activity we all get a little soreness uh, after a hard workout or after a tough game uh, but it's with with every repetition if you're getting sudden sharp pains in either the shoulder the elbow or elsewhere uh, that that's a big sign that something is not going quite right uh, or if there is that just lingering pain that that never quite seems to go away um, it never hurts just to have the conversation with an expert like i said in all likelihood uh, it's something that we can treat uh, appropriately without ever ever seeing the inside of an operating room so uh, it never hurts just to ask and get things checked out if you're ever worried well there you go if you have a shoulder or other sports injury go to where the pros go make an appointment with the dmc orthopedic or sports medicine specialist call 1-888-300-DOCS that's 1-888-300-DOCS or 3627 or you can just go to dmc.org slash sports dr ansock thanks for joining me appreciate it it was a pleasure have a great day all right you too now let's get back to rob and adam and more of the state champs extra innings podcast Thanks, Lauren and Dr. Ansock, for giving our listeners some great advice when it comes to dealing with those injuries. I know a lot of players are going to benefit from that, not only next year, but as they go on to further their careers at the next level. Um, but, Coach, last week we had a chance to talk with uh, Sean Maloney from Warmont, who helped uh, kind of talk with us about the first ever MAC OAA All-Star Game and how it came to fruition, all the great details with that. If you missed that, go back into our archives and listen to Episode 8. Um but this week, we thought it would be a great opportunity to touch base with Dan Griesbaum Jr., who is the vice president of premium ticket and sales for Jimmy John's Field. Uh, this weekend was their opener for the USPBL at Jimmy John's. So Dan has taken some time out of his hectic schedule, which opening weekend, obviously, uh, to let us know more about what's happening there and their role in the organization and what, you know, what they do for high school baseball and travel baseball in the state. So, let, Coach, let's bring in Dan. And, Dan, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for all you do for the, the game of baseball, especially at the high school level. It's been exciting to follow you guys. So, Dan, give the listeners a little bit of background, because obviously, you know, now you're involved in a little bit of a role that's that's more up in the uh, front office. But you have a pretty storied uh, playing career that led you, you know, all the way through the Little League system up into high school, into college. Let everybody know a little bit more about your background and your journey in baseball. Sure, sure. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, here in Gross Point Woods, where I'm sitting right now, and uh, the Gross Point Woods Shores Little League is probably the most uh, most storied in, in the state of Michigan. Uh, been to the, the Little League World Series four times, three of which have been since 2013. So it's it's been a great uh, great run of baseball here in Gross Point, and uh, you know I had a good playing career. Um, you know played for my dad at Gross Point South High School and, and graduated in 1999. Uh, my dad is, you know, still the head coach over at Gross Point South in his 38th year. 
I had uh, you know a fun high school career there playing for him and and went on to Central Michigan University where I uh, would love to shout out my chips right now because they just won the MAC championship again yes. today. Yes, so, they did. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. So I was the uh, I was the captain of the 2004 team when we we did win the MAC championship that year as well. Um, but I you know I knew that um, you know my playing days were short at that point. Um, you know I was kind of a a grinder and a, a role player type and and someone who's you know had one or two of the tools that you need maybe to succeed in the game, but, you know, didn't have the five tools. And, uh, you know, I knew that was pretty much it for me right around that time. And that was okay. But I had a little experience um, in the summers while I was in college working for the Detroit Tigers as an intern. And I did everything at Comerica Park around the time it opened from working in the merchandise store to helping with their ticket sales to helping with sponsorships and all those different things while I was still a player. And, um, they were uh, good enough to hire me as a, a full-time member of the front office when I graduated from CMU. And I, you know, started out in kind of a entry-level ticket sales type role. And in that grew, you know, over the years and, you know, long story short, ended up there for about 15 years. And another, you know, year or so at the end of that was with the Detroit Red Wings and, um, you know, had a a good run there where got a couple of uh, American league championship rings and I uh, had uh, you know, a really nice run of tiger baseball that I think all the fans in the area will, will look back on fondly. Obviously I will never get over the fact that we never won the world series. Tory Hunter flipping over the wall will be ingrained in my nightmares probably forever. There's a lot of them. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I think 20, 2012, 2013, maybe even 14, I think we were the best team in baseball, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. And, uh, yep. and it was a, you know, a good run nonetheless, but we, we won't get over that probably, but um, you know, right around uh, toward the end of 2019, I ended up having a conversation with Andy Appleby, who's the owner of the United Shore Pro- Professional Baseball League. And they've been doing some really good things uh, there in Utica and, you know, I was skeptical of, of the USPBL during my time in the Tigers front office. You know, I didn't really understand it. Um, you know, it's an independent league, not affiliated with Major League Baseball. And the reason for that actually makes a lot of sense because they, they share a market with the Tigers. So mm-hmm. okay. when, you, when you share a market with a Major League team, that means the Major League team has to approve you being in that market if you're affiliated with MLB. Okay. So the only reason that that would really make sense for the Tigers is if, if it was one of their own farm clubs that was playing. Right. So, um, you know, when I worked for the Tigers, I understood them not being on board with that. And even now that I don't work for the Tigers, I still understand them not being on board with that. It's just, Mm -hmm. there's not really anything in it for them from a business perspective, unless they were to move one of their own teams Mm -hmm. into the area. So, uh, we're independent, and um, you know our goal was just to to put on a good product, uh, be a place where people have fun watching baseball, and I think Andy Appleby hoped that maybe one player per year might graduate on to affiliated major league clubs. And long story short, we're just entering our sixth year, and we've now had thirty nine players sign with MLB clubs. Oh, wow! So. It's really, from a baseball perspective, has really blown the expectations out of the water um, for everyone, including Andy and and everyone who started the league. Um, Last year, we had a tough time, like all, you know, entertainment organizations, obviously, during the the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Uh, we were only allowed a hundred fans at each game. Oh, geez. We, we survived. And, um, you know, we all kind of did some different roles to keep the, the league afloat. Uh, we started a broadcast in the USPBL network. Um, I didn't, they didn't need me so much from a sales perspective. So I actually ended up on camera as part of the, of the network as the lead, the lead color analyst, which love it, love it. I, uh, completely lacked formal training in that, but it worked <laughs> out. Okay. And, hey, we've, been, we've been winging it for 10 episodes. I was, gonna say, I was, like, yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? You're talking right. to the Kings of winging it up in here. <laughs> right. But you know, live, live streaming events and, you know, podcasts and all those different things. It's, it's obviously a, a very important medium. And, uh, you know, we ended up averaging about 17,000 views per game. And for the, the championship game, we had 41,000 views and, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but I, the players come from all over, you know, they pass along the broadcast to all of their family and friends and it, and it just grew like, like crazy. And, and long story short, we kept our sponsors and we made it through the 2020 season, which, um, you know, I think was a, a great challenge that we're all proud of now, but I think we're even happier to be out from under the pandemic a little bit and, and having some normal baseball again at Jimmy John's field. Yeah. Awesome. You know, you know, t- to that point, right. It was one of the goals um, when the league was formed or even now, right. You're, you're going into six seasons now, right. Uh, was, was there a concerted effort to kind of start at the high school level and to kind of get affiliated with, with, you know, teams and programs and to kind of start to grow that game from the, from the high school level on up. Right. Because I think a lot of, I think a lot of kids, right. Look at the USPBL now, now that it's kind of established as a place where it's like, Hey, after my college career, maybe, maybe, you know, the draft doesn't maybe work out for me in my favor, but this is a place that I can still go play ball, make a little bit of money, keep my name out there, keep myself in shape, get some professional level training and maybe still able to give myself a shot in maybe a couple of years because I'm not ready just yet coming out of college. Sure. You know, all things being equal, I think we would love to have local players, you know, for one thing that brings in their family and friends to games, you know, just from a a business standpoint, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, two, it's convenient. You know, we don't have to find a host family to host them or that kind of a thing like we do for the guys that come from out of state. Mm -hmm. But obviously they have to be ready to play at that level. You know, it's it's pretty serious baseball. And, um, you know, among all the independent leagues, I think in a lot of ways, it's one of the tougher ones, especially from a pitching standpoint. Uh, But we definitely have some local guys that have done well, um, you know, just off the top of my head, Frankie Lusco, who played uh, at uh, Madonna and, um, you know, uh, Dugan Darnell, who um, was at Adrian actually as a third mm-hmm. baseman and, and ended up all of a sudden becoming a lights out closer. You know, there's a, there's a lot of great stories like that. Nolan Plenty, um, who is from Detroit Catholic Central, uh, just dominated as a closer for two years also. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of stories like that, but we, we certainly love to see the local guys succeed. And it, it, it makes sense from a business standpoint, from an excitement standpoint, and a baseball standpoint, in every every way. It's it's a, a great thing to to see. So one of the big draws that I feel is unique to Jimmy John's Field is that at home minor league experience with a major league vibe. You know, with the suites and the mm-hmm. the dugouts and the field and the fireworks and everything like that. What I really am interested in is how you have been able to branch professional baseball and tie that in with some of the high school teams that use it, you know, before your season begins. And then also some of these travel teams that come in during the summer and use it for their tournaments or like their showcase and stuff like that. So can you lead us through the thought process on how you see that model um, from more or less 
help guide, you know, uh, provide and, and guide opportunities for people who are in high school baseball or travel baseball that are at that high school age. Can you dive into that just a little bit? Sure. So first of all, this year, we probably experienced the heaviest demand that we've ever had on the facility because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So right. as you alluded to, it's been a venue for amateur baseball for a long time. But this year, we actually got crushed with demand for non-traditional things like graduations and oh, okay. and Ooh. things of that nature. I, I want to say, I, off the top of my head, probably 10 different graduation ceremonies for high schools this year and another 10 proms, wow. which, you know, is not something that we necessarily thought of two years ago. But just having an outdoor venue in a nice, convenient setting has been uh, just a a godsend for anyone looking for an outdoor event right. this year. But as far as being a baseball venue, I think it's incredibly, it's an incredibly convenient location. As I know you guys talked about on the last podcast, it's, mm -hmm. you know, literally between Macomb and Oakland counties. Yep. Macomb County especially is just flush with, with baseball players. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, I mean, really just people in general. Oh yeah, for but, sure. It's a great, it's, you know, it's, it's a growing area for sure. Right. I mean, as, as I know from more on the coaching side, being in the Mac red, the, uh, of the six Mac red teams, four of those teams are in the top 10 in all of they're the four of the top 10 biggest schools in the entire state of Michigan. Right. So having that many teams and that many players around it, it's almost like it sells itself. It's a perfect venue for, for amateur baseball and this year, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we pushed our pro season back to Memorial Weekend, and that left open almost pretty close to the entire high school season where we didn't have any baseball games to play. Right. And it was a nice opportunity for high school teams to jump in. There were some nice rivalry games this year with, you know, Utica playing Utica forward, and I think Ike played Stevenson, and, um, you know, uh, Lance Cruz plays, played Lance Cruz North, um, you know, Gross Point South played a game there. Uh, you know, there was a really nice opportunity if you want a little bit of a bigger venue, especially during a time where a lot of the schools were limiting who could come to games, at least at the beginning. It was really a nice fit for those things. You just had to to basically find a way onto our schedule because the demand was pretty was pretty stiff this year for all types of events. Yeah. Do you think that, um, you know, with this, with this field, right. Cause I, I've been to the stadium a few times now. It's a tremendous facility. It really is. There's, there's really nothing like it. And we'll get into more uh, on that in a second, but do you, do you find that because, you know, you're so close to the game it, itself, right. You know, your dad and, you know, we had him on the show early on in the season, right. Um, you know, to does, does your position in inside the organization or inside the whole league, as well as knowing the facility that you have at your disposal, right? Does it allow you to kind of sink your teeth into the high school game a little bit more to grow the game because of where you're at, right? Your positioning and, and maybe others, you know, you know, a lot of times I'm sure a lot of people are coming to you like, Dan, you know, like, what do I got to do to get in this field to, to really accentuate people's programs, big games, like you mentioned, you know, does it, have you found that it's kind of a unique way to contribute to the game outside of maybe being a direct coach or being, you know, a player or an administrator at a school? Oh, I think so. I, I think I'm uniquely suited to know the challenges on both sides. For sure. I, I think as a coach, and obviously from my father being a coach, I know that each of these programs are, they're really trying hard to do something special for their players. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a, it's becoming more and more of a challenge all the time, especially with public school. Sometimes the, the fundraising is not really there. 
you know, even in a, a great public school system like Gross Point, which I'm a, a part of, there's really not resources put towards sports. Really, really the onus is on the programs to raise their own money. Mm-hmm. And it can be a fundraising type activity to play a baseball game at Jimmy John's Field. You can charge at the gate if you want to, you know, charge the parents coming in five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you want to charge them. It it can make money if you get enough people to come there and it can be part of your fundraising piece. We also have an opportunity with the pro games where an organization like a high school baseball team or a travel baseball team, for instance, can sell tickets to our pro games at Jimmy John's Field and we contribute back a certain amount of money per ticket to their organization. So. Because I think I'm, I'm very familiar with the, the challenges on that side, but I'm also very familiar with the business of baseball and what we need to do at Jimmy John's Field to succeed. I think right. that there's a lot of great ways to work together that can really benefit both sides. And I think that's where we're trying to go this year is to, to solve problems on both sides. There's organizations that need to raise money. We want to fill the stands up again this summer when the restrictions are finally lifted. And there's somewhere in the middle that we can meet on that where it benefits everybody. So let's talk about that a little bit more, too, because um, my family, you know, we live close in proximity to uh, Jimmy John's Field. We live over in Troy. So we do frequent the uh, venue a lot. And it's really cool because I have four children of my own and I'm literally a 50-50 split. You know, two for four out of my kids love the game of baseball. The other two can take it or leave it. They're they're (laughs) cats, right? But I think that's the big key is Jimmy John's field and your marketing team and everybody around there understands that people aren't necessarily just coming for the baseball, which is good by the way, but they're coming there for all the other things that are going on in the atmosphere. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, the appeal, what draws people to this venue and why it's so important that you guys are so multifaceted? Well, let's be honest. I, even someone who knows the game of baseball really, really well, 99 out of 100 can't tell the difference between our starting pitcher who's throwing 93 and the starting pitcher for the Tigers that's throwing 93. Now, there's some differences, command and the bite on the slider and things like that. But for the most part, 99 out of 100 people can't tell the difference from a skill standpoint between right. the Utica Unicorns and the Detroit Tigers. Right. So the quality of baseball is going to be entertaining enough for almost everybody. Mm-hmm. But the baseball is just a piece, as, as you mentioned. We really try to look at the venue as a modern-day baseball Disneyland where you're going to come. First of all, you're going to shake hands with Disneyland himself because Andy Appleby is out there shaking everybody's hand and <laughs> welcoming them to the ballpark and walking around. And, and if you have an issue, you're going to, and you want to tell him about it, you can. If you want to tell the COO about it or a vice president about it, you're going to be able to do it when you're there. It's, right. it's a very hands-on experience. Um, we have that, as you alluded to, I think the whole kid's zone where there's a speed pitch game, there's a playground, there's a wiffle ball field there's all sorts of mascots running around. And on Sundays we have superhero day and princess day and all of these different things that will attract kids to the ballpark, even if they're not hugely into the game of baseball. We hope that while they're there, they maybe get more into the game of baseball than maybe they were before, Mm -hmm. but it's a very affordable premium family experience. We have fireworks every Friday night. We have live music on Saturdays. For the people who like to have a good time, we have Thirsty Thursdays with uh, <laughs> with great drink specials. 
Uh, we have a, a handful of Wednesday games during the summer that we're branding as oldies Wednesdays, which is, you know, kind of a, a 50s oldies hot rod kind of a vibe, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit of a new thing. But there's something for everybody. We have a promotion almost every single night. There's all these organizations that we're always working with, whether it's Cub Scouts or Little League teams or, you know, it's almost endless. But we're trying to find ways to appeal to just about everybody, and it's been very successful so far. So you mentioned something, too, and I think that what you guys are doing is extremely interesting because I think that is the way that more teams, especially baseball, there's been a, a kind of a, an issue going on, especially at the professional level, where the, the numbers are dwindling both in attendance and in ratings, right, for professional baseball. You've seen rule changes now. All right, we got to speed it up. Extra innings, we got to run around second, right? Anything we can to kind of make this game go a little bit faster and kind of bring some excitement back to the game. Do you, do you find your guys almost kind of on the cutting edge a little bit of how to get people into the ballpark other than just the game, right? Because as you mentioned, I, you know, as a casual fan, you're not going to be able to tell that kid throws 93, this guy throws 93. I'm not going to be able to tell the difference. But, you know, the other things are attracting me. My kids can go over here and have a good time over here. I can go, I can spend a, a very a reasonable amount of money and sit behind home plate and get a great view. And if I'm really into the game, whatever it is, right. Do you guys think that you guys are kind of on the cutting edge of getting people to fall in love back at the game again, by, by giving them some other things as well to get them into the ballpark. And then once they get there, Oh, by the way, we have a great product on the field. Right. I think, you know, you mentioned one thing about the time um, when the when the pandemic first hit, we actually had a long conversation about this where we mm-hmm. because of the amount of expenses involved and the lack of revenue coming in. Right. We ended up cutting the game down to seven innings. There you go. Which, right. Um, we worried about it a little bit. We didn't know if people were going to feel cheated or, you know, how the overall feeling was going to be. Right. I got to tell you, nobody has said a word about it from a negative standpoint. Because <laughs> most know, people are only locked in. They're like, seventh inning <laughs> stretch? That means I got to get up, go get a snack, yeah. and I'm out the door, right? <laughs> right. And, and it's been, you know, a year and three games now that we've been playing seven innings, and everybody seems very happy with the seven innings. You know, it's it's enough action for you. Uh, you can get into the ballpark an hour before it starts, and you've you've had enough action. The mm-hmm. sessions go the whole time, and it's and it's seems to be plenty for everybody. Um, so the game moves. It, move, it moves pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um Two, I think that no matter how good of a ballpark you have, whether it's Wrigley Field or Comerica Park or Yankee Stadium or whatever, you can't replicate the intimacy of a good minor league ballpark. Nope. And I had never walked into Jimmy John's Field until I was recruited for the position. I was just too wrapped up between the Tigers and and what I do in high school baseball. I was was too involved to, to ever make it over there. And when I walked in, I was blown away by how nice it is. I had, I had no idea. And there are suites on ground level that are literally, we believe, the closest to the catcher in all of professional sports. Yeah. Um, we have suites that are in the dugouts. We have <laughs> suites. That. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that either. Yes. We have suites that are on top of the dugouts called called cabanas, which are sort of modeled after the, you know, Vegas, Miami luxury resort cabana by the pool. Right. Um, right, right. Experience. These are things that a Comerica Park or any brand new ballpark really can't replicate because of the size that they need to be and the way that they're built. That's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So whether you're having a corporate outing where you really need to impress somebody or you're having your kid's birthday party, there's a lot of really unique products there that you're going to be really blown away by whether you're watching a guy who 
just graduated from Adrian College and is trying to hang on. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a guy who, um, you know, like an Austin Dakar who started opening night, who was, you know, once drafted by the Yankees and had some injuries and he's trying to battle back. You know, those guys, that, there's enough interesting stories and there's enough talent there that when you have a really unique product and an outstanding seat like that to view it, it's going to be special and, and you're going to be entertained for seven innings. So let's talk about uh, just the, you know, talking about unique opportunities. And I know you got to be excited by this because I know I am. The OAA MAC inaugural All-Star Game is going to be coming up here in just a short amount of time. And I know there's got to be some pretty cool things on tap for that. So two-part question for you. First of all, how excited are you for that game? And then secondly, what are some of the things that we might be seeing at this that we could possibly pull off? And could there potentially be room for other leagues to, to take on, you know, this kind of endeavor as well? Yeah, you know what? It's it's very much a new endeavor. And I don't know if I can completely answer your question as far as, you know, how it's what it's going to look like exactly or what it is that we're going to do exactly. Um, because I don't know that anyone knows, you know, it's, we don't know how many people are going to show up. We don't, you know, this is the first time. And I think some of these things need to start a little bit slowly sometimes just to see uh, how they take and Mm -hmm. how excited people are by it. But I'll tell you from a, you know, just from a coaching standpoint and a a baseball fan standpoint, it's a idea that was long overdue, Mm -hmm. um, you know, between Sean Maloney and, and my father and, and all the, all of the others who, sort of brainstormed it. Um, you know, I, I'm a little, I, I'm a little young to have remembered the Macomb all-star game that I think they had a real long time ago. Um, but the Mac and the OAA are just a perfect fit for our venue. There's a lot of talent and, you know, a lot of big schools with a lot of good players on both of those sides. Um, and I think a lot of guys that were being missed by the East West all-star game, which is the statewide all-star game. So, and I think it's also like a, a perfect built-in rivalry that we try to replicate at Jimmy John's field because at Jimmy John's field, you know, without boring you with our details, but we, at some point, I think want to build another ballpark. Okay. So, oh, okay. you know, cool. we've got, we've got four teams playing at Jimmy John's field. And at some point, if something makes sense, we would like to have another ballpark, I think somewhere else in the state or maybe somewhere else in the Midwest you know, whatever might be the best fit for that. And for the time being, while we have four teams playing at that ballpark, um, you know, we're not sure that four are always going to be playing there. Really the, the Utica unicorns and the East side diamond hoppers, I think always will. Those are kind of counted on as like the home teams. Those are the East side, you know, the East side teams, <laughs> Utica and, and right. the East side diamond hoppers. And maybe someday we'll have a ballpark on the West side of Detroit possibly, or, you know, somewhere in one of those West side suburbs and, you know, maybe the West Side Woolly Mammoths and the Birmingham Bloomfield Beavers will be more of a rival than, mm-hmm. um, you know, than maybe they are right now with East Side and Utica. So I think there could be a similar type of rivalry between the, the MAC and the OAA, you know, which of these conferences is better, which of these conferences has better teams and better players. And I got to tell you, by looking at the two rosters, I can't really tell by looking at it. You know, who's <laughs> yeah, no, be yeah. Pretty, they're both they're both pretty good. Um and good coaches certainly on both sides, but I think it's something that that has some legs and makes a lot of sense. And I think I don't know, but I th- I wouldn't be surprised if the attendance ended up better than the East West All Star Game attendance because everybody's local here. Yep. So 
you know, Comerica Park, if I remember correctly, for the East-West All-Star Game, I want to say it's always a little bit over a thousand people that that come to that, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which in Comerica Park looks like like nothing, obviously. You know, <laughs> I, how, how big that ballpark is, but right. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the attendance ended up better at, at Jimmy John's Field, just with everybody being local and and more people's families being able to come and, and get behind it. Yeah, for sure. No, and then the convenience of it too, right? Like you can't yep. miss the dang thing either, right? Some people like I don't. I don't personally enjoy driving down to Detroit, right? I live in Macomb. You, you guys, the ballpark is ten minutes from my house, right? right. So it's it's a convenience thing. Last question here, Dan. Uh, as we kind of wrap things up, uh, you know, with the 21, 2021 season just getting underway this weekend, you know, um, can you give our listeners the details and where they can buy tickets and all the other really really important information about the league and Jimmy John's Field because you know, me and coach may know that already. We've been to games, right? I think you guys have a tremendous facility. I've had, I've never had a bad experience there being there. I've been there like four or five times now. Um, you know, can you kind of give everybody else listening the full rundown and how they can kind of join the, join the wave? Sure. Confessions, by the way, too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's great. No, seriously. <laughs> I, uh, I was looking up season tickets yesterday if it makes you feel any better. So. <laughs> Well, that's great. Oh, I appreciate that, that support. Um, you know what, uh, USPBL.com, uh, will, will give you a lot of information. Um, and sorry if I said that too fast. No, you're good. I assume people know what I'm talking about, but, uh, USPBL.com, uh, but you can look up all of our, uh, our schedule with all of our single game ticket possibilities. Now that we're moving into the month of June, we no longer have the restricted attendance that we were under for outdoor events. So, um, as I mentioned already, last year we had 100 people that we were permitted per game. Luckily, even at the beginning of this year, it was up to 1,000. But now that we move into June, we're permitted to to grow as we please, and we're not mm-hmm. under those restrictions anymore. So yep. when you go to USPBL.com, you'll see our schedule. You will see all of our season ticket possibilities. We have ticket packages that range anywhere from five games and up, and they are extremely, extremely flexible. I Obviously, I worked in ticketing for a long time, and I, I'm also a season ticket holder for the Lions, so I know how the big league teams do ticket packages. Yep, they're, they're, you know, they're fairly restrictive, yep. and you're kind of locked into your dates. We are incredibly open and flexible as it comes to ticket packages. You could make your own package, pick your own games, mm-hmm. and if it, if it doesn't work out and you need to change it the last minute, we'll change it for you and make whatever changes you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, tremendous options right now for – parties that are more of a personal nature, like birthday parties, graduation parties. We have discounts built right in for those types of things, especially for suites. Uh, People are starting to use our suites for birthday parties that were maybe missed during the COVID-19 pandemic when people couldn't get together. People are having these, you know, they're making up for lost time with these parties, which is tremendous. We have large patio spaces for group outdoor events, whether it's corporate or more of a family reunion type endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the amount of possibilities are are tremendous. The pricing is very fair, and um, any any inquiries that you have, please you know feel free to to submit those and call the numbers that are online. And myself or any of our other representatives would be happy to talk talk you through it. Awesome. And word on the street is tomorrow's Buckethead Day. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Memorial Day, Buckethead Buckethead Day. Absolutely. Memorial Day, one of the great. Uh, 
baseball Monday afternoon game traditions. It's, you know, Memorial Day and, and some, sometimes Labor Day. Those are the only opportunities you get to go on a Monday afternoon to a game. So, awesome. well, I, I love too, though, that I mean, you know, not to get a little bit sidetracked here as we wrap up, but, you know, all your games for the most part are in the end of the week, right? So it, it's mm-hmm. not one of those things to where you are going on a Monday night, right? Where you got to go right, to work the next day. It's Thursday right. and Friday, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You guys make it so easy to schedule and to, and to get to the ballpark. And like you said, you go in seven innings, you start at seven, you're in and out in two hours and it's, and it's a great time, but tickets could not be more affordable. And I I'm, I'm the biggest cheapskate you, you'll meet, <laughs> but I swear I, you, you're not going to get a better price with a better seat than at Jimmy John's field. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Free, not. Free, par- free parking, by the way, and free yeah. parking too. And it's not a disaster to get out of there either. Like right. I'll, I'll say right now, I've done it a ton of times. I've been there for corporate events. I've been there just as a fan. Um, you, it, could not be a more awesome, not only baseball atmosphere, but family atmosphere there. You, you can't get a better immersive experience, whether you're a baseball fan or you're just a kid who just wants to go see something different for once. Um, you're not going to find it anywhere else than at Jimmy John's field. So, I mean, great job all the way around for you guys. Um, and good luck with the rest of the season. Sure. Coach, you got anything else on deck here before we wrap up for Dan? I just wanted to tip my hat to you and the rest of the crew over there. I mean, it is, it's a, always a great experience. I and mean, when we think back to when we were young players in high school and to get to play at a venue, whether, you oh know, gosh, yeah. it, it's to something like that where you get to play in front of people on a stage like that. And for you guys to make it that accessible, there's some exciting things going on. And that's exactly what we talk about. We want to grow the game. So to you, I want to thank you on, on your part, not only for joining the show, but for what you do, man. It, it really means a lot to us as coaches and, and to our players and stuff like that. So keep up the good work over that. So I can tell you. Good no, job. thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And thank you to, you know, all my fellow high school baseball coaches out there for all that they do to, to promote the game. I, I think that the job of being a high school baseball coach probably has never been harder than it is right now. Um, you know, I, I think the, 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 the money hasn't gotten any better in, in, <laughs> in the business, I don't think, but the, I think the workload has doubled or tripled or quadrupled what it used to be. I think mm-hmm. the, you know, the demands from, from parents and, um, you know, it's not like you go to practice for two hours and it's over. There's, you know, nope. those, all, all these other things you've got to, a lot of times you have to post on social media too, and you have to keep up with your your uh, recruiting efforts for you on your players behalf and, and do everything that you can to, to promote your ball players. And it's just, it's almost endless. So all of you guys who are out there coaching high school baseball, you know, thank you for those efforts. And if there's anything that we can do at Jimmy John's field and with the USPBL to help you fundraise for your programs, or if you're just looking for a premium stage to play a rivalry game or anything of that nature, you know, please contact us. We'll do whatever we can to, make it work for both sides from a a financial standpoint and a convenience standpoint. And uh, it's been a great, I think a great success so far, really looking forward to that all-star game. And I, I have a feeling the all-star game will be a very long, very long tradition. And I'm happy to uh, have been here at the beginning of it and say that I was a small, a small part of getting it started. Let's do it. Let's make it huge. Absolutely. You heard it here first, right? It's going to be every year, right? The first time you're hearing about it is on this show. You'll be talking about it 15 years later when we're in 15 of the extra innings podcast. But Dan, once again, thank you for all the great info. Once again, uspbl.com for all the information on tickets, schedules, all the good stuff. It could not be easier for you guys. Seriously, go out, go to the ballpark, have have a great time. I personally can't wait to get over to Jimmy John's field. I know coach is going to be there at some point during the season as well for some great baseball and an even better atmosphere. But 
That's going to do it for this week's episode of the State Champs Extra Inning Podcast. We appreciate both Dan Griesbaum and Dr. Chase Ansock for joining us this week and for helping us to continue to grow the game of baseball throughout our great state. For Adam Woolley, I'm Rob Mendeika saying thanks for tuning in and join us next week on the State Champs Extra Inning Podcast.